Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Fantasy Sports. All right, everybody, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronas, T minus 22 hours? 21 hours? 23 yeah, hours? 23. 1 p.m. is the first game tomorrow. Yeah. Used to be, when you were a kid, did you ever take off that first day to watch the games? Did you ever go to opening day and miss school? Uh, probably. I mean, usually it was Monday afternoon, so I usually attend most home openers for the Mets. I haven't gone to as many over the last few years, but yeah, it was always a a big deal for me going to opening day. Uh, just, you know, that first game, hopefully the weather's nice, uh, the energy of the crowd and obviously optimism for most teams, although a lot of teams this year don't have it, but, uh, certainly optimism for the Mets to start the year. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Cincinnati Reds the first game? They were, they were the first game who played, the first team who played each year. It was like a noon game or a one o'clock game for Cincinnati. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, they were the, always the first ones to kick it off. Yeah, I don't know. Why'd they stop that? I don't know. Uh, obviously, this was a year where they had the games in Japan, but even tomorrow, I, I don't believe the Reds are the first game. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. So I was very... Um, I guess the word is happy. Shocked is one word, but happy to see that the Padres are going all in at them. You know, Tatis, Paddock, you know, they could have dropped all these guys down in the minors, waited, you know, the requisite time, got the service year, but they're letting them play from day one. And I have to say, I just love it. And I wish, I know more teams won't do it, but I wish more teams did. Yeah, I think, you know, they decided to keep Tatis with the big league club and open the season on the roster, which I definitely think was surprising. I expect him to be up pretty quickly because I just think that the Padres have an aggressive mindset, uh, starting with that Manny Machado contract. I think we all felt Chris Paddock was going to be on the opening day roster, and we did find that out the other night. Uh, They basically told him when they were visiting the mound and take him out of the game, but I think the Tatis news is definitely surprising. I know Manny Machado has vouched for him. You know, Tatis is one of the top prospects in the game, and he was going in a lot of drafts, 17, 18th, 19th round. Uh, he's 20 years old. He has not played above double-A. He was not a triple-A last year. And he, it's not like he had a great spring either. Uh, he batted 241, a couple home runs, a couple steals. Now, he does strike out a lot, so that's something to consider. You know, the batting average might be low, but last year at double-A, he had 16 homers, 16 steals in 88 games, so the 355 OBP and a 507 slugging. So, you know, there'll be some adjustments for him to make. But, you know, now obviously the price is going to go really high and people will be excited and people have drafts tonight. He'll be overdrafted. Uh, Do I want him? Yeah. But, you know, I just think that anytime a player like this comes up, just people go crazy and they overpay. There's going to be someone in a draft who overpays. So, yeah, I would like him. And I kind of regret passing on him in a reserve round of one draft. Uh, was with Tim Heaney, and I told him at the time, too, because I – passed on him and then he took to the is like ah, i was gonna take him i hope that doesn't come back to Burmy. and ah, now he's gonna start on the roster opening day which is unbelievable i don't think anyone saw this coming 
You know, I don't think anybody did, but I do think that Manny Machado has a lot to do with it. I really do. I think that Manny wanted to groom this kid. I think he was one of the reasons that Manny want, chose San Diego because I think Manny realizes that between— No, Manny chose San Diego because of the money. Let's no, not I, no, 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 no. I'm not twisting at all. I think, obviously, there's the money, but I think one of the other reasons that he chose it, besides the weather, which I certainly would think is a reason, there are a lot of young kids there like Tatis, like Urias, that he could be a mentor or two and you know I, I think that there's there's you know Manny's probably like Brit leave this kid up I'm sure he spoke on this guy's behalf I'm sure of it because otherwise you know if Manny wasn't there there's no way this guy's starting in the major leagues uh I don't know about that because obviously you know I don't think he has that much say in the team uh because if the if they really cared about service time and then they would have made that decision they wouldn't care what many has to say but they're uh, gonna. But these guys can sign contracts like Jimenez did. I think the White Sox did the right thing. If I'm the Padres, let's just give Tatis a contract early, early on in his career and be done with that. They might be working on it, and maybe that's part of the reason why they did. They said, "All right, you know, we're close. We'll get it hammered out in the next few days," and that's certainly a possibility. Uh, Those also the the if he really struggles, they could send him down, and then they right. will get the service time back. So it's not just because you start the year. Uh, if he comes up and he struggles badly, they can always send him down and say, look, we gave you a shot. You're not ready. You got to adjust. You got to make more contact. So it's certainly possible that occurs as well. No, that's absolutely true. Were you surprised? Uh, do you think Hunter Renfro will end up being a starter on that outfield? Because right now it's Margot, it's Myers. You've got to think it's Reyes. But, I mean, there's Franchi Cordero there. There's Renfro. Who do you think shakes out as in the Padres outfield? Uh, it's a tough question to answer. Uh, I still like Renfro. I've taken him in some drafts late. The price has uh, just definitely decreased from where it was. So I think there's a buying opportunity there because I think he has elite power. I think if he plays a whole year, he could hit 35, potentially 40 home runs. So uh, the key is, you know, center field right now, you know, who can give him the best defense? You know, Cordero's got good pop and speed, but he's just so inconsistent defensively. You'll see him make a good play, and then he gets an awful jump on the ball. So I think that's going to hurt him. We know Myers is going to play every day. I think Myers and Renfro play every day, and then I think they kind of rotate between Cordero, Reyes, and Margot. And I actually think Margot might be a guy that doesn't get as many at-bats as people think. But, you know, it's something Do you think Margot gets Margot in the trade market? Uh, it's possible. I mean, obviously, they have several outfielders. You would think, you know, Cleveland could be a good fit. Uh, and obviously, there's been a lot of rumors about them dealing one of their pitchers. And if the Padres are competitive and stay in it, uh, I'm sure they're going to want to add a veteran pitcher. They have a lot of good young arms, but a lot of them, you just don't know how deep they're going to be able to go into the season. They're definitely going to have innings limits. So that's certainly a possibility if this team becomes aggressive. Uh, but Myers is definitely going to play every day, and I'm guessing Renfro does. You know, they but you know Cordero's a lefty, and Margot Reyes and Renfro are righty, so there's no even platoon. You would think Cordero would benefit there as the lefty, but I don't know if they're going to be willing to put up with his defense every day. It's interesting because they have a couple of pitchers on the horizon, a couple of young guys who are pretty good. But the, the offense is shaping up there in San Diego to be decent. It's the pitch, and the starting pitchers are respectable. I think it's the bullpen that's a big problem. Getting from the starters to, the, to, to Yates could be a real issue here. Uh, they, they have some decent arms. Uh, Stammon's not bad. Uh, Wingenter could be okay uh, if they have an Earl and Cohen at the bullpen. So, uh, you know, most teams are going to have issues in the bullpen, but there's always a couple arms that could surprise. 
No, that's true. And like you said, we said the other day, remember Matt Albers, one guy's good one day and one, one guy's good the next year. You never exactly know. But the Padres also claim Socrates Brito from the Diamondbacks. Does this make any sense? No, unless they just wanted to keep him away because I think obviously the Diamondbacks would hope he would clear with the Sousa injury. So, uh, no, nah, it really doesn't make sense. They also have Travis Jankowski, but he's going to be on the deal to start the year. He's about uh, expected to miss about three months. So, yeah, uh, not sure why they did that unless maybe they just said, you know what, F you, Arizona, we're keeping them. <laughs> right. All right. Aaron Hicks owners, and I'm one of them. I think we got to start to be concerned. He still hasn't been cleared to resume baseball activities. And Christy Acker, a friend of uh, yours, I know, said that uh, he's starting to get better. But, you know, there's no actual activity there. And, you know, when are we going to see Aaron Hicks? Could it be the end of this month? Could it be May? What, what are you thinking? Uh, no idea. I mean, this is not good. I'm definitely worried. And someone I liked a lot going into the year, but I've backed off in recent drafts. Uh, back injuries are serious. They usually don't get better. So obviously it seems like the Yankees are just trying to keep this in-house and not really reveal much, but certainly has to be concerning. And that's been the one issue with Hicks throughout his career is just durability and staying on the field. And they just paid him and gave him a contract. And already dealing with this back issue, issue where he's had multiple cortisone shots already. So definitely have to be worried if you're a Hicks owner right now. I mean, do you think that Hicks comes back and they make him a DH and then Stanton goes to the outfield? Or can you not risk putting Stanton out there? Well, they are using Stanton in the outfield tomorrow. They haven't announced the lineup, but they've said that Greg Bird is going to be the first baseman tomorrow and Luke Voigt's the DH. That puts Stanton in the outfield, and I think they probably want to avoid that as much as possible. Uh, but at least for tomorrow, they're uh, putting Stanton in the outfield, and uh, they might do that a bit until Hicks returns. But I think when Hicks is back... They want him in center field for his so defense. So we're, we're looking Gardner in center, Judge in right, Stanton in left? Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's a bit of a messy outfield. Yeah, well, they have the offense to uh, get over it, and, they also, and they're going against the Orioles, so you can pretty much do what you want against the Orioles. Yeah, and do, you, do you think that the Yankees stack is going to be the most owned stack against Andrew Kashner? Yeah, they will be, and they're going to be popular a lot, but especially tomorrow against the Orioles and in, in that, you know, Cashner will probably get knocked out early and then getting into that bullpen with these bats. So, yeah, they will be very uh, popular tomorrow. Now, when you play, I assume you're going to play DFS baseball tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know how much time because I got another draft tonight. Uh, got to finalize rankings, so I, I don't know if I'm going to have the time tomorrow. Really? I was thinking of playing, but I'm, I'm thinking they'll like, Man, I want the Yankees, but how many? How can I even afford these guys? I mean, but you got to think they're going to bat Cashner around by the by the second inning. He's going to be out with that eight runs let up or something like that. You would think so. It's just definitely shaping up for them to beat up on him, and I think you're going to see that a lot in the Yankee Oriole games this year. Uh, the Orioles are one of the worst teams in baseball. They are so bad. Yeah, they really are wretched. All right, thank God the Mets did the right thing. They purchased the contract of Pete Alonso. He will be the Mets' first baseman. I couldn't be any more excited, Adam. Yeah, I think all signs pointed towards this, you know, all spring. You know, he was hitting, and even last week, Mickey Calloway mentioned that as long as Jed Lowry is out, the plan is to have Alonso hit two in that lineup. So he's got big-time power, does swing and miss quite a bit. The average might not be great, but certainly someone in a mixed league that you can get as your corner infielder. I know I got him in the uh, great fantasy baseball invitational in, in the middle rounds of the draft. So uh, happy about this, uh, So because uh, I got Aaron Hicks in that league too. So 
I'm going to need Alonso to hopefully perform. And, you know, if the lineup sticks and he's hitting behind Nimmo and in front of Cano, a uh, good spot to be in. Oh, by the way, just as uh, you're speaking here, I got, an, I got an email from FanDuel. Some of the players we're talking about have been added to the uh, lineup for tomorrow, Adam. Fernando Tatis, what's your guess of how much he's going to go for tomorrow? Um, what his salary is on FanDuel? 28. Look at you, 2,900. How much is Pete Alonso? Mm, uh, 27. 31. Mm, okay. Eloy That's, Jimenez, what are you paying for him? That's, what do you think? 32. 3,000. Okay. So, I mean, Alonzo is more than you thought. Did yeah, you and going up against Max Scherzer, no one's yeah. going to his home. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. The crazy thing is he could hit a home run, but he could go over, he could go one for four with three strikeouts too. Yeah, he could. Uh, I mean, Scherzer is prone to the home run, but still, that's that's a tough uh, first game to be making your big league debut. Yeah, good luck with that, Pete. And well, then, maybe, uh, maybe they start Dominic Smith. I guess so. That's my only annoying thing about I, I don't like, when, and I'm sure you'll hear me say this over the, the course of the next three months, I don't like day slates, Adam, because I don't know who's up. I need to concentrate. At least when it's a night slate, I can sit there about 4.30 and start looking at the lineup cards and check that out. There, But there's nothing worse than like when the Mariners don't put their lineup card into like 6.28 Eastern time. Yeah, and you're going to get a lot of day games over the next uh, couple weeks. You know, a lot of home openers. So there's going to be quite a bit of day baseball. Most of the games are in the day tomorrow. There's only one game after 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. So, right, but I would you think on opening day, like teams should know their lineups today don't you think some teams are uh like the yankees announced who's playing they did not announce the lineup uh the, so. the only lineup i see here that is absolutely posted on uh baseballpress.com where i go the phillies the phillies have their full lineup in yeah i think some teams will announce it today and uh, especially for the early games tomorrow there'll be a lot of lineups out at 9 10 a.m tomorrow it's amazing all these conversations that we have about the weather the wind things that we never talk about we'll start talking about tomorrow Adam. Yeah, it all begins tomorrow, and it'll be a you know long season, but a lot of fun. That's for sure. All right, so the Mets. You mentioned Pete Alonso. Do you? How do you think the Mets change when Lowry returns? What do you think happens? Does anybody get sent down? Does Lowry just play all over the place? I mean, how do you see the Mets changing? And also with when Frazier returns. Yeah, I mean, I think they want Lowry to play. That's what they've said. Uh, a lot's going to depend on, you know, what these guys do. Uh, McNeil didn't get enough time, I think, in the outfield. I think they'd ideally like to play him in left. Uh, that's what they were planning to do in the spring and move Nimmo to center because uh, Ligaris obviously is a weak bat. So uh, I'm really not sure what they're going to do. I mean, Al Alonso, it's going to depend on how he performs. You know, if he doesn't hit, then they might put – Frazier, Lowry at first base. So I think a lot depends on what happens here the first couple of weeks. Assuming that Lowry comes back and plays third, can you just throw McNeil into left field in the middle of the season and see how that goes? Or do you have to send him down to let him get two weeks of games in the outfield? How, how would you approach it? Uh, I mean, they, they see him more often and they will know whether he's ready or not. So they'll make that decision and, and they might feel, okay, you know what? He had a handful of games. He was at the, in the outfield beginning of the spring. We think he can get it done. And, of course, he has that one big mistake at a game, and they'll be like, all right, this is not working. So I think a lot's going to depend on how guys start off the season, and you know, sometimes injuries open up uh, and make the decision easy for you. 
We were mentioning the Yankees before. Would you pay for Greg Bird right now? Do you think he's an interesting guy to hold on to for a couple of bucks in a draft? Uh, he's like a last at the end of the reserve rounds. You know, I still have doubts about him staying healthy, and he's pretty much a power guy, not much average. So, yeah, he can hit home runs in that lineup, but I'm not really enthralled with him because there's always the chance that he doesn't get a ton of at-bats. Right. I guess that's true, but uh, I don't know. I just think that if he does get 400 at-bats, couldn't he hit 20 home runs in that lineup? Yeah, but is is that what's special about that? No, I guess that's true. I, I guess it's more special in an AO only than it is in a mixed league. Well, yeah, Agreed? an AO only. Yeah, for sure. Right, but in a mixed league, yeah, I would agree with that. All right, we're going to take a little time out. When we come back, I promise we'll get to baseball, but something happened in football yesterday, which is pretty major, a rule change that you guys should know about. What's this rule change? We will discuss what it is when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631, Brain Dance! Make it rain. The clock is ticking here for LeBron and this Lakers organization. And if there is any sort of regression, if there's no playoffs next year, if there's no big signing in the offseason, it could go down as one of the biggest all-time bust failures organizationally. The Lakers will have gone from blue blood, historic franchise to absolute laughingstock like the Knicks. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back for Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here along with Adam Roto. So remember, guys, you need you to go to scoutfantasysports.com, okay, and enter the promo code BATS50. We'll get you two months off your first two months, 50% off your first two months at scoutfantasysports.com. And, of course, at Scout DFS, Ronas, I'm getting excited. Got to check out. I haven't checked out the optimizer yet for tomorrow. I think I'm going to do that later. Yeah, always good to give it a roll and see what it gives you. Uh, I know – Yesterday for basketball, like Jason Tatum, I really didn't. Tatum had a good game. 
There you go. Listen to the optimizer. It is very, very smart. Check that out at scoutdfs.com. Okay, Adam, last, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce back to football here for a second because there's some pretty big news yesterday. If you remember last year's Saints-Rams debacle and that game that ended very poorly that people were pissed about with the, uh, the pass interference, now they're going to be able to uh, look at the pass interference and make it uh, reviewable in the last couple of minutes. Do you think this is a good idea or is this dangerous for the NFL to do that? Uh, it's probably dangerous. Uh, I mean, obviously it stemmed from what happened last year in that game. And I think anyone who watched that game, even a Rams fan, would say, yeah, that was clear pass interference. But now you're just open to interpretation. And how many times do we see plays where it's really not clear cut? Uh, so that that's... That's going to be a problem. I think you'll definitely see some controversy with this, but clearly it stemmed from the non-call in the Rams-Saints game. But that one was pretty obvious, and it now, changed the game. Now let me understand something here. You can a coach's challenge until the final two minutes of a half. In the final two minutes, will there be a booth review? Is that what's going to happen like they didn't have this year? Will there be one next year? My guess is, yeah. I didn't read everything about it. I've been... Uh, in fantasy baseball drafts and rankings, so I haven't really looked at everything for football yet in detail because uh, it's you know still months away. So I, didn't, I know I didn't read all the details. But you know, when there's news, I want to give people the news. But I think it's I don't know. I think conceptually, it is very dangerous. You know, there are certain things that referees oh, you be, have to be able to. You got to be kidding me, man! Breaking uh-huh. news here: Francisco Lindor hurt his left ankle while running the bases on Tuesday. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, so he'd made almost a full recovery from his calf strain, and now this. Yeah. MRI today. Indian should have an update soon. Great. Uh, I thought I got a nice uh, value in Tout Wars at uh, pick 29. You did get a nice value in Tout Wars well, at pick 29. Well, not right now. I mean, geez. So, what? Do you, well, let's see. An acute ankle sprain. Hmm. I would think, well, we want it to be lower instead of higher, Adam, because if it's high ankle sprain, that's, that's bad. So, so we're going to hope for two to four weeks? Uh, I guess at this point. I mean, obviously, it seemed like the calf was fine, but uh, this is not good news here. This is not good news. But that's breaking news there. But uh, I don't know. When taking Lindor, was there ever a time that you thought that he should still be a first-round pick? No, I thought he was a second-round pick. I think uh, you know, maybe as we got closer to the season uh, and the news was good, that maybe you could have moved him up and said, okay, I feel good about it now. Cause I think a lot of people had him as the third overall pick for a good period of time. And uh, again, all the news was positive. He said he wanted to go opening day. And then obviously uh, this happens now. So definitely a disappointment. And uh, I wish that, you know, some sites would be a little bit more quicker. We're putting guys on the deal. I know a lot of it has not been officially announced yet. We're starting to see it come out today, but uh, I know many Leagues can't do moves till Sunday anyway for weekly leagues. But, you know, I think it would help to get these guys on the DL a little bit quicker. Well, I, I think that there's a way to do that. I, I, I wouldn't mind having no moves at all until Sunday. I, I think I could actually I would prefer that because so let me just explain to people out there what's going on. Adam and I are in leagues right now where you can make moves tonight. In fact, so I'm in the FSTA and in Tout Wars, we can make moves tonight. But a lot of but what's happening is in our leagues, we can't move our guys to the DL because the site itself hasn't placed these guys on the DL yet. So the only thing we can do with them is put them on the reserve 
or cut them or start them when we'd really like to put them on the IR, which we, which we can't do. So my thought here is why not just wait and have it on Sunday night? We all suck it up for three or four days, and then, it's, then we're on an equal playing field because right now it doesn't feel so equal, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I know it's based on what the major league teams do, and a lot of teams have not made the transactions yet. They're just starting to come out. Like Matt Olson was placed on the deal today, but, you know, I think the sites have got to be quick. Some sites are very good about it, of making the deal designation quickly, and others sometimes take more than a day. And uh, I don't think that can be the case. Uh, if you want people to come to your site, you got to be able to make the uh, the move pretty quickly. Obviously, there's daily formats. Some leagues were first come, first serve. I don't play in any of those leagues. But, um, you know, I think they need to do a better job of just putting, once it happens, to, to do it quicker. By the way, anybody who plays in a first come, first serve league, I beg you to drop out of that league. Because I, I will never do that anymore. There's nothing worse out. And then some dude who has no job who's sitting there at home and just playing on his computer. And this guy sees the information. He's getting at 2.16 p.m. When you didn't even look at your phone because you were in a meeting in your office. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think it actually is an advantage for me. I'm near the phone and computer, you know, doing this constantly. So it actually benefits me. And I still wouldn't want to do it, you know. And I'm up late if there's any breaking news on the West Coast, but I still want to do it. It's just not fair. And, you know, there are going to be times where I'm not available and some breaking news could happen and I'm not there and it's not fair. So that's why FAB is the best way. That's what they do in the high stakes leagues where you get a budget, a thousand bucks, and you blind bid uh, once a week. I think that's the best way to do it. Everyone gets a shot because, you know, just because you saw it first, you know, it doesn't mean that you should have the ability to get that guy. Now, I didn't. I have to check out him. NFBC, is that tonight or is that Sunday? Sunday. Okay, so I don't have to worry about anything tonight. See, no. that, I just think that's smarter that way. I, like I said, I think it's smarter to just all do it in one thing because this way it, it's a mess. You know, like I can cut Steven Sousa, but I can't cut Jesus Luzardo. I really want to put him on the, on the IR, but I can't do it yet. Yeah, so again, I have the same situation. I got Lindor, Olsen, and Sano, and they just placed Olsen on the DL today. So, uh, you know, the deadline's 8 p.m. Eastern, so I don't know if it's going to change by then. And obviously, with a short week, and, you know, I got three bats on my bench, and one of them is Dustin Fowler, who was sent down. So I'm going to have to drop him, pick someone up, and I'm going to be shorthanded in the spot for the next four days. And, you know, so there's going to be other teams in the league that are probably in similar situation. Uh, it just sucks. And uh, unfortunately, there's, I guess, nothing they can do because technically a lot of these guys have not officially been placed on the DL just yet. Uh, I don't know why these teams are, are waiting, though. Like, you know, but you know Lindor is starting the season on the DL and Gossman right. and all and these Luzardo, guys. Just right. do it. I mean, I guess they don't have to officially put in their moves till tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think just, you know, these guys are not going to stop to you. Just put them on the DL. Make it official. Now, the Indians, there was concern that Jose Ramirez was not going to be ready from opening day, but it looks like he will be. Yeah, it looks uh, like a crisis was averted there. He was carted off the field after fouling a ball off his left leg on Sunday. Everyone started to panic. I'm sure there might have been some drafts going on at that time where maybe he slipped a little bit to potentially mid-late second round. And uh, some teams uh, probably got a nice value there because it looks like he should be good to go opening day. I think the, um, the, the Cleveland, there's no Kipnis, no Lindor. Ramirez is certainly not going to steal any bases probably the first couple of days of the season. Uh, you got Bradley Zimmer who's still out. I think the Indians are a shell of the, cell, of the team that they're going to be in a few weeks.
Yeah, and the Pocota projections have them winning 97, which I don't see how that's possible. Uh, they well, the got pitching the, staff is good. The pitching staff, I think, is the best five in baseball. I mean, it's it, you got Mike Clevenger, who's their four by uh, many people, and uh, he is going in the fourth, fifth round of fantasy drafts as the fourth pitcher off the board for the Indians. So that goes to show you how good the staff is. Uh, but they have a lot of question marks offensively, especially to start the year. And if this Lindor news isn't good and he misses a month, that's really going to hurt this team. All right, let's talk about Julio Urias there. And I know we mentioned him for the Dodgers before. And I think we've discussed with the Dodgers that they're going to have a lot, of guys, a lot of rotating parts here. This is a team that's expecting to play deep into the playoffs. So where are you with Kershaw right now? Where are you with Urias? Where are you with the Dodgers pitching staff? To me, I like Urias, and I think he's a really good pitcher, but I do think he's going to pitch like 110, 120 innings. Yeah, they're going to watch his innings, but you know what? I don't care. Uh, I know he's in the rotation to start the year. He had a great outing yesterday, four perfect innings. Uh, he's throwing hard. So uh, I've drafted him in a couple leagues. I got him in the GST league last week, so I was happy about that. And, you know, originally I was like, ah, maybe he'll just be a guy that I put in there and, you know, he'll come in and get some relief opportunities. But he's going to start the year uh, in the rotation. So uh, I'll worry about the innings down the road. Uh, I'll just take advantage of what I can get right now. But I like pretty much all the Dodgers pitchers. Kershaw I've stayed away from. I mean, he has gotten cheap in drafts. and Very, very cheap in drafts, Adam. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like he's going to miss much time. I'm still concerned for the long <laughs> – the long haul over the course of the season. So I have stayed away from him. Bueller's price is very high. I don't have him in too many leagues, but I have a lot of Ryu. I have a lot of Maeda. I have a lot of Stripling. So I like all those guys because I think sometimes people get scared. They're like, oh, they're only going to throw 140, 150. I mean, many guys are in that range. So I don't really care at all, and I, I will take them. Did you know there's a guy named Jeter Downs in the Dodgers organization? Yes. Would you name your son Jeter Rose? Hell no. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> How about Benia Ronas? No. Would you rather name your son Jeter or Benia? Benia. Okay. I do that with my kids all the time. I'm like, would you rather your name be X or Y? And then they're like, no, definitely. You know, we always joke about that. I can, I can think. I think Jeter is a good name for your child, Ronas. I'm no, just throwing it out there. Never have. Just throwing it out there. Impossible. All right. <laughs> Kenley Jansen. Are we worried about him, or is he as good as he's ever been? Uh, a little worried. Uh, he's coming off this heart surgery, seems to be okay. Uh, but he's still taken as one of the top five closers off the board in most drafts. So I'm not willing to pay that price. Uh, you know, he should be fine. Uh, he's always been a solid pitcher. He had a good spring, six and two-thirds, seven strikeouts, one walk. So that's a good sign. I think early on his velocity was down a little bit. But, you know, he's just not the dominant closer he once was. We used to pencil him in for an ERA on the two and 13, 14 strikeouts per nine. And that wasn't the case last year. A lot, a lot more home runs than we're accustomed to seeing. So he's fine. Just not someone that I target. Still had very good numbers, though, last year. Just not the dominant Kenley that we're accustomed to seeing where he'd come in and you'd be like, oh, the game's over. You don't feel that way anymore. Right. You used to. When he came in, you're like, man, this guy's so good. Let me give you a Dodger who I think is possibly underrated. Man, I've been waiting for Jacques Peterson to be good for years. But he, he should have an opportunity. I know Verdugo's there. Kike Hernandez is now going to be at the second base. Could Jacques and I get a chance to really win this job and keep it outright? He's going to have to hit lefties, and I don't know if he's going to get many opportunities to play against lefties. So, you know, the power's there. He's hit at least 25 homers in three of the last four years. 
you know, it did cut down on the strikeouts last year, but I just think the expectations were higher for him. This was a guy that stole a ton of bases in the minor leagues. We haven't seen it at the major league level. Doesn't really hit for average. So he hasn't found his way out of my teams. I'm still kind of interested because, you know, I feel like he could still put it together. He gets a ton of fly balls, uh, excellent hard contact last year, and he's still still young. You know, he's 26 years old, I believe, turning 27. So there's still a possibility that he has a little bit more in his bat, but I just feel like they're probably not going to use him much against lefties, and it's going to be tough in a weekly league if you can't make those changes on Friday like you can in the NFBC. It's going to be tough to rely on him as a regular piece of your team, especially in a 15-team league. All right. I want to turn my attention to a team that has, looks like they're giving up already on him. The Blue Jays announced Tuesday that Rule 5 pick Elvis Luciano has made the team's opening day roster. He's 19 years old, and in spring training, he has an ERA of 11.42 and a 2.42 whip over eight and two-thirds innings. I know it's only eight and two-thirds innings. I get that. But the guy's 19, and they got to keep him on the roster this season because the Rule 5 rule. Are the Blue Jays just giving up? I mean, is it just that bad in Toronto? Yeah, I mean, this team knows that they really don't have a shot. You're in a division with the Yankees, the Red Sox, even the Rays have done a good job. Uh they just don't have enough. I mean, they got a couple of intriguing pitchers if they can put it together, but they're going to need things to break right. Can Marcus Stroman bounce back? Can Aaron Sanchez stay healthy and avoid the finger issues? You got two pretty good pitchers there if that's the case. Uh, but just a lot of questions uh, throughout this team. And if those guys can't get it done and they're not high strikeout guys either, you know, you need a couple guys that are going to give the defense a break. Same thing with Shoemaker. He's not a big strikeout guy. So, just have a lot of questions, uh, some decent bats, but, you know, it's tough in this division to really expect them to do much. Not to hold you to this, but on, on in daily, can you find some cheap love for any Blue Jays? Could you start Marcus Stroman tomorrow against the Tigers? Can you play a Smoke? Can you play a Pilar or a Grichuk? I mean, some it's Kendris Morales, or do you just say, look, these guys really are bad, that they're not motivated, I'm going to look elsewhere? No, I don't think you could say they're not motivated. They're professionals. They're going out there. So, no, I think you could find some, you know, Grechuk if he's in a good spot against the lefty in a good ballpark. Uh, Tiasco Hernandez made the team as they announced him as the starter. You know, Smoke's got some power. So, no, I think there's something here. And, you know, the Tigers, I don't think they're a a terrible lineup, especially with Miggy hitting the way he's hitting and and Castellanos is a good hitter. So they have some bats. But, uh, you know, Stroman – might be someone that that's low owned. Uh, it just has not shown that big strikeout ability, though. Do you know that last year when I won some big cash in daily, I won with uh, T. Oscar was one of my guys, Ronas. Yeah, T. Oscar. I expected a little bit better from him last year. I had him in a few leagues, and you know he's got big time power. Uh, and disappointed a little bit, but at least he he won the job and should be hitting uh, in the middle of that lineup. So in deeper formats, I think there's definitely uh, some some value there. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I got him in any league this year. Maybe a early draft champions late, but did have 22 homers and five steals, but the average was bad. My favorite guy, which you really didn't discuss, is Danny Jansen. I think this guy's a legitimate catcher who can uh, be an offensive threat this season. Yeah, and everyone's drafting him that way, so it's not like he's a surprise. He's generally seventh, eighth catcher off the board. He's like the top guy in AL only with Salvador Perez out for the year, so. Everyone's kind of aware of Jansen. It's, you can't really get him at a value.
All right, just a quick note about Ken Giles. I mean, he didn't blow a save last year. I know it's a bad pitching staff. It's a bad team. Can you still draft a Giles thinking he can get 30, 35 saves this year? Absolutely. I mean, bad teams are going to create save opportunities too. And even if you think they suck, they're going to win, what, 70 games? And uh, Giles was actually pretty good last year. It's just that I don't think he was a good fit for Houston. I'm surprised they brought him back after the World Series. I wanted no part of him last year, and it's a complete opposite this year. I want him because I don't think there's any pressure on him. He's the guy, and uh, he's shown in the past that he can have some you know, big-time seasons. So uh, I know people remember him punching himself in the face, but I just think that's not going to be a problem here. I just think he needed to get out of Houston. It was clear they didn't have confidence in him. Uh, so I, I think he's definitely a top 12 closer this year. Look, I remember the days of years ago when uh, Matt Harvey was the closer for the Florida Marlins back then, and he got like 40-something saves when the Marlins only won like 60 games at him. So you can have a, a good closer on a bad team and still have production. Yeah, it's n no question about it. I mean, hopefully it's not a 100-loss team. It's a little bit more difficult, and there are going to be a couple teams that lose 100 this year. Uh, that is absolutely true. All right, we're going to take a little time out. When we come back... I'm going to ask Adam Ronas a very important question, which I'm going to tell him now so he can prepare for it. Does he have any regrets from all the drafts that he's done? Any regrets of players he doesn't have enough of, too much of? What would he have done differently? We'll both address that when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. The morning after. You got two types of people that are on a jury, right? Either ones that want to be there, which is scary, or two, people weren't smart enough to get out of it. So <laughs> I, I, I don't want them determining what happens in my fate there. You know when they ask you, are you biased against anything? The uh, Patriots. Are you, are you <laughs> racist? Do you dislike law enforcement? Have you ever been arrested? It's like uh, like Homer Simpson said. If you want to get out of jury, dude, just tell them you hate everybody. <laughs> Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. While your attention is focused on your college basketball brackets and the Sweet 16, 
NFL teams are focusing on the 2019 NFL Draft. And for serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start prepping for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. All right, Rona, so you've had, what, 72 drafts in the last three weeks? Yeah, and I got one more tonight. So in all your drafts, is do you have any regrets in terms of, I wish I had more shares of this player. Maybe I have too many shares of that player. If I had to do it again, I would have done this. Any any retrospective look from Adam Ronas back at his drafts? Uh, yeah, I was hoping to get at least one share. Miguel Cabrera, uh, he's had a great spring. And I have no doubt that he can hit. It's all about health. But the price has been pretty cheap. And forget a guy that can hit 3, 310, even if the power is not elite at corner infield spot, I kind of would have liked to, to get at least one share of him cause in case he does stay healthy. Uh, I would have liked to gotten Jordan Hicks because I think if he does get the closer job, he could really dominate. Uh, he's had a really good spring. Uh, a lot more movement on the slider. Uh, obviously, some pitchers. You know, I love Trevor Bauer. I think he could win the Cy Young. It's for me. It's between him and Garrett Cole this year, and I would have liked to gotten him a little bit more. But obviously, you got to pay up for that. Um, but and I'm trying to think. Oh, Victor Robles only got one share. Uh, I think he could be really good. Uh, Michael Conforto, I, I think, is going to hit 40 home runs this year, and I don't think I got him in too many leagues. Maybe. I might only have him in like a scout draft champions league. His price was higher than I thought. And uh, I had a lot of Yoan Moncada last year, and I kind of wish I had him this year too because I, I think he's being devalued, and I think he'll bounce back. I, I think he's better than what he's shown, and he'll cut down on the strikeout. So, yeah, there's always a couple guys that you miss out on that you wish you had, and uh, I guess that's what DFS is for. You can have those guys there. But I did get a lot like Domingo Santana. I'm pretty much all in. This year, I haven't won almost every team. Uh, I have Byron Buxton on a few teams. Hopefully, hopefully that works out. Uh, I didn't. I do actually have quite a bit of Chris Paddock. Uh, you know, I was getting him early. You know, Tout Wars round twenty three. I got him in an auction, so at least I have a couple shares of him. I have no Tatis, no Eloy Jimenez, and one Victor Robles. So it's always good because, like last year, I regretted. It. I said I wanted Ronald Acuna. In at least one draft. And I, at first, I was like, damn, the price is high. And I'm like, you know what? What if this guy comes up and crushes? So I said, I'm going to get him. And I think that one of the last drafts I had was the GST. And I remember uh, he went in the round I was going to take him. And obviously, we saw what he did last year. That's another guy. I don't have any Ronald Acuna. I have zero Ronald Acuna. And I wish I did. I have zero Aloy Jimenez. And I wish I had more. But it's funny you mentioned that about daily. Because that's the beauty of daily. I can have Eloy Jimenez tomorrow. I could have him every day this week if I want him. But I do regret that I, I didn't get him anywhere. And Acuna, I just, you know, the problem I have with drafts versus auctions is that, you know, you, if you have a certain pick, if I had picked two, I wasn't taking Acuna. And if I got pick 11, I wasn't getting Acuna. And it was a little bit of a, of a you know, there's nothing you can do about that, Adam. Yeah, a lot of times that's what happens is where you pick. And 
uh, Acuna. I did see going one of my drafts at 12. I'm like, you have to be kidding me, man. Why couldn't I have that pick instead? Because that would have been a steal in that spot. And there were a couple of drafts where I thought he might fall to me, and he didn't. Uh, but he's going to be a, a fun, exciting player to watch. Looks like he's going to hit cleanup to start the year. So I'm interested to see if that curtails the stolen bases just a little bit. But I, I think they'll probably let him be aggressive. Well, one of my very close friends who's a wonderful fantasy baseball player, when I picked third in labor, and he said, who are you picking? And I said, Jose Ramirez. And he said, I'd pick Acuna. And I was like, really? I said, maybe at five. He's like, I would do it at three. Retrospectively, he may be right, but I, you know, I just didn't have the guts to do that. We're in football. Sometimes, like with Saquon Barkley, you know I was saying that I was going to take him at two, Adam, because I knew that this guy was going to be that good. But some, you really have to jump up on a board sometimes and make a stand when you like a guy. Well, I hate the three pick because I think you can get a guy at three and then in other drafts he can go 10, 11, 12, and that's exactly what happened. We've seen J.D. Martinez go three. I saw him go 12 in a draft. Uh, Acuna, same thing. Seen him go three, four. I've seen him go to 12. Yelich, the same thing. I've seen him go three. I've seen him fall to 10. So I really hate that third pick because there's, to me, not a huge difference between three and 10, 11, 12. Like, a lot of times you're like, okay, yeah, I kind of like the guy better at 11 or 12. So... I think the three pick this year, it, it sucks. Well, I mean, do you always feel that way or just maybe this year? Because Lin now, if Lindor was healthy, right, and Lindor never got injured, you'd feel pretty good about the third pick, wouldn't you? I think I would. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably would. But I, I did feel that way last year. You know, everyone was on Trey Turner at three, and I didn't. You know, like I had an opportunity in tout to take the third pick, and I didn't. I said, I'm going to take 10. And uh, Mookie Betts made it back. Uh, and the same thing, I tried to make a trade in a draft last year. I was trying to get up to eight because I'm like, Mookie Betts can fall to eight. I'll take Mookie Betts at eight instead of... I, I took him at eight in the FSTA draft, yeah. Yeah, I took him eight in the great... No, I, don't, I forgot. I took him in the great fantasy baseball invitational last year in the mid-first round. I took him in Tower Wars mid-first round. I took him in a scout 44 last year, like at 10, and then I went three pitchers. So, like, last year, I was like, all right, people are undervaluing Betts because he's coming off a down year. And, and obviously it worked out. But, but, yeah, I just think a lot of those guys in the mid-first round, to me, there's not a huge difference. I, I really don't see a huge difference between Acuna, Yelich, J.D. Martinez, Arenado, all those guys. I don't see a huge difference. It really depends on whether you feel one player is superior to the others, how you want to build your team. There's a lot of people, especially in a high-stakes league where you're playing for an overall, they want to get some stolen bases out of their first-round pick. So that's why they're off J.D. Martinez, off Arenado. Uh, others will take Turner because they want the speed. But, you know, I worry about the lack of power and RBIs in that spot from him. Uh, but I think there's so many different ways you can go, and I'd rather avoid having to make that decision at three. Let the board pick it out for me, and I'm sure I'll be happy with whoever I get it, eight, nine, ten. Well, it's funny because in the draft I did with Andy the other night, we had the number 10 pick. We got Arenado at 10. I think we were actually shocked. Not that he, I mean, look, you can go a hundred different ways, but I've never seen Arenado fall to 10. I mean, not when you got a guy who's a four category superstar. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think sometimes people are overanalyzing it because you know you're getting four great categories from Arenado, and he plays in Coors Field half his game at Coors. So uh, people just want, want the stolen bases, and uh, you're not getting any from Arenado, but uh, especially at pick 10, you know. Just take him and then, you know, figure out the steals after that. It's not like you only get one shot to get a guy with steals. So someone's going to let the four-category guys drop. Same thing with J.D. Martinez. I think that's why you see him fall in some drafts too because 
he doesn't supply the speed. But what if this guy hits 320 again with 4,100? I know there's some question with the health. But this guy's hit 40 home runs two years in a row. The two years ago, he did it in like 119 games. I think it's pretty clear this guy's an elite hitter. Well, 100 years ago, I had Lindy Hinkleman on, on with me on a, on a different channel. And he talked about the four category players. And I remember at the time, he liked Pedro Alvarez. I was like, really? He goes, well, he gets home runs, he gets RBIs, and he scores runs too. So, you know, you know he was like looking at play, like players like I was poo-pooing. He saw value in. And I, I, I agree with you. I think people look at a J.D. Martinez, they look at Arenado, they go, there's no speed. Well, maybe you can find that a little later in your draft, but you can't find what those guys do in your draft. I mean, they're very hard to replace. Yeah, I just think, uh, you know, you can figure it out. If people are going to let that guy slip, you know, I've seen him go four or five in some drafts. So... You know, you just have to kind of adjust your plan accordingly. And that's why you also can't plan it out. So many people are like, oh, I'm going to take these guys with my first three picks. You know how many drafts I've done this year where I was stunned at who was there? I mean, Tout Wars. I never thought Francisco Lindor would make it to 29. And I know that draft was March 5th. But I had to adjust on the fly. I was all set to take Trevor Bauer. I'm like, I'm not passing up on Lindor here. Now, it might turn out to be a mistake. Obviously, he had the ankle injury today, and we don't know the extent of it. And then in the draft I did last week, I was all set to take a pitcher at two, and Freddie Freeman made it back uh, at pick three of a 15-team league. And it's like, I can't really pass on Freddie Freeman here. I think he's still capable of winning an MVP. He's a guy that gives you a high floor and batting average, can hit 300. It's a, a great lineup, good ballpark. And, you know, I still think there's a 35-homer season in Freeman's bat. So, And he's a guy that steals, you know, eight, nine, ten bases as well. So you have to always adjust. You don't know what's going to happen in a draft. Uh people will surprise you, and especially this year. There's really no consensus. It's 1-2, and after that, it could be Scherz at 3. Uh, I did a draft today. Scherz fell to 8. You, you just don't know, so you have to be prepared. You can go in with a blueprint and say, I'm going to do this with my first three picks, but you got to be ready to switch it up quickly and go, you know what? The draft is giving me something else. i got to scratch that plan. Now i got to go with plan B. You know, it's funny you said that. I always try to go in, Adam, thinking, what, what do – What's the best move for somebody else to do, right? And I assume that I'm going to get whatever I'm going to get in the first three or four picks based on the assumption that other people are going to do what I would do, right? And then, that's, that's, and then what happens inevitably is that doesn't happen because not everybody would do what I would do. We're all different people. We all have different ideas. I mean, I sat in a football draft this year with some dude who took Larry Fitzgerald in round two. I almost lost my lunch. I was like, you got to be kidding me. In a million years, I wouldn't have done that. So there's always, I always try to think, what would I do? And that way, I look at it from that point. And then as things unfold in a draft and opportunities exist, you've got to be able to pounce on them. Yeah, and there's, you know, again, it depends on the room. But I've seen some, even some NFBC drafts where I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, what is this guy doing? So uh, you have to just be prepared. You know, there's going to be a curveball thrown your way. And I was in a draft, JT Real Muto went around round two. I didn't expect that. So... Uh, there are always going to be surprises, and you just have to be prepared to kind of change on the fly because you might have a plan going in. Oh, I'm picking on the turn. I'm going to go uh, Trout or bets, and then come back with two pitchers. But what if a bat is there that you weren't expecting that you valued higher? So uh, Right, or what if you thought you were going to get Real Muto in four and some dude takes him in two like that? Your whole, uh, your whole strategy is out the window. Yeah, but then, you know, you always have uh, an alternative. The good players always have an alternative. You know, we all have these players that we really want, and they get taken, we get upset, just move on. There's always someone else to replace them. I find, as I've done so many drafts over the years, 
There are some people who are risk takers and will jump and they don't care about ADP. And there are some people who are so tight with ADP, they're afraid to take a guy around early. You just never know who you're getting. I think one of the things I do like, though, is that the more I play with people I know, right? Like, especially when we go to Vegas, it's more predictable to me because I have an idea what these guys are doing. It's the guys that I don't know, Adam, the guys that I've never seen before. Those guys actually scare me more. Yeah, and I think by the time we get to Vegas for those NFL drafts, like everything's in place. One game is played the Thursday night, then we're drafting Friday, Saturday, and it's like we kind of every everyone knows what's what's going on. Like we've seen numerous drafts, we know where players' values are. It's really hard to get any type of value in those drafts. Uh, guys get pushed up the draft board, and it's really tough. We know that there's always the players that are getting a lot of uh, pub and. You know, they used to be a guy going around nine. Now they're going around four. It's uh, by that time, you're just getting no value. You just compare that draft to one you did even in late July, early August. It's like night and day. Well, same thing. How about your draft tonight? Chris Paddock is going to go for 15 bucks in some auction tonight. And uh, a month ago, you would have gotten him for a dollar if that. So, I mean, I agree. I think that there's more value if you're willing to draft about four to six weeks early. But you better be a good player and you better be a risk taker because look, Chris Paddock could have ended up in the minor leagues to start the year very easily. So, I mean, is he? I don't think, I'll argue this though. I don't think the winner of these overall things usually happens from a late draft, Adam. Probably not because it's just really difficult to get value. There's a lot of guys now that have really jumped up. Paddock is prime among them. I've seen him now go in the 10th, 11th round of 15-team leagues. Again, I got him in round 23 on March 5th in Tout. Uh, Matt Strom, I got him round 25 of Tout. He's a guy that Went in a $5,000 league last two weeks ago at uh, like round 10 or 11. So, you know, the spring does matter. People say it doesn't, but we are already see it reflected in ADPs. And uh, you got to be prepared for that. And, uh, you know, sometimes the guys get pushed up too much and they become overvalued. And, you know, a lot now a lot of attention, people talking about guys. So you got to keep it realistic. You know, sometimes these guys get priced out. So I'm real interested to see where Tatis goes in the – you know, the drafts today, and, you know, I know some AL and only leagues still do drafts, like, first week or even the second week. And so, interested to see where Tatis goes in the draft tonight, because I think there'll be a couple people in the room who really overpay for him. Yeah, I've got a good friend who does his NL only draft, like, the Sunday after the season starts. Yeah. And he's, wor- a- yeah, and he's worried about Victor Robles going, like, 25 bucks. Uh, certainly possible. Now, the good thing is uh, he's facing the Mets uh, with uh, that pitching staff, so maybe he... Doesn't get off to a great start, but who knows? Uh, if he does and is running wild, because we know you can run on on, on Thor, uh, maybe the price does go up. And uh, you know he was he was pretty good, not value, but he was at a good price uh, for most of the season. Because I think people were worried about Harper coming back and what right. they do for Robles. And I think people forget Robles was going to be the guy that got called up last year, and he was hurt. And Soto came up and said, and obviously what Soto did was unbelievable. But Robles was a you top. You could call him overlooked. Can you call Robles overlooked last year? I think that's not an unfair word to use. Last year? No, no. In general, because you had Soto and you had Harper, I think Robles was a little overlooked on the Nationals. Uh, maybe in early drafts, but now he's generally going sixth, seventh, eighth round, which is probably the right spot because uh, this guy is going to steal a lot of bases. The problem is he's going to start the year hitting at the bottom of the lineup. So. I'm hoping that he gets off to a good start. We know Adam Eaton, we really can't count on him to stay healthy. Uh, and if that changes, Robles Turner up top with Rendon behind them is just like ridiculous. I mean, uh, the Nationals are, are going to be so good offensively. 
I actually um, drafted, I told you, Brian Dozier. I, got a fi- I finally got a piece of him the other night. I'm very excited about him. I, I hope that he has a, a, a comeback year. I really like him as a player. Uh, I do too. He, he, I don't think I have too much of him. Just it, it hasn't worked out in the right spot. But uh, I do think that he was playing through a bone bruise in his knee last year. And you could see it in the distance of his home runs and fly balls. So he played through it. And it clearly affected his numbers. He's healthy now. Uh, good lineup. Uh, he should be, I think, hit fifth, sixth, somewhere in that area. So a lot of opportunities to drive and run. So, yeah, I'm fine with him. He's not like someone I go, I have to have. But I, but I do like him. Yeah, I mean, I think that whole team. Well, do, you, do you like Jan Gomes? I have zero, per, zero shares of him. But he's got some power, too. Yeah, I think he's a top 10 catcher. Uh, I know he's not going to play every day, but... He's in great shape. Uh, he's always put – look at his numbers last year. They were very solid. For a catcher, you will absolutely sign on the dot for the average and the power he gives you now, and he's in a good lineup. Yeah, Gomes is a guy that I want. You can get him real cheap. I almost got him in a draft today as my number two catcher, but I said, ah, I already got Wilson Ramos. I'm not going to spend on, a, on the second catcher. Yeah, you know, like I said, I think I may have some regrets uh, about that. Like I wish – I wish, you know, like Gomes, I wish I had a piece of him. I'm glad I got a piece of Dozier, but we'll have to see. All right, who's coming up in hour number two, Adam? Uh, well, I have Sean Childs, GalFantasySports.com. He still might be out in Vegas for the NFBC, but he's going to join us at 3.20 p.m. Mr. Vegas, Sean Childs. That's right. Yeah, amongst other things that we call him. All right, guys, this is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. Stay tuned for hour number two of Scout Fantasy Sports with Adam Ronis. And remember, go to scoutfantasysports.com and scoutdfs.com.